Happy Thursday, my darling pop culture junkies. It's Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays, and I'm your host, Brooke Hammerling. Pop Culture Hello, my darlings. Well, it's just me this week. Uh, we're really a down and dirty pod this week. It's a it's a crazy week. I'm actually recording this Monday, Yom Kippur. It's very quiet here in Los Angeles, and everybody's starving and uh, because they're fasting. I can't say I fasted. I had a little, I had some veggies. Like I'm no good. Nobody wants me anywhere near them when I'm hangry. So it's for, it's for the greater good. Let's just say that. But, um, you're listening to this on Thursday. I'm recording it on Monday. I'm in my bedroom. I'm recording this in like a total, like I'm hunched over on my bed onto the mic and it's it's crazy but I have people here doing all this work on my house so it's the only option I am now like a what do they call it a bedroom artist that's what I'm doing like the like the kids making music these days I am podcasting from bed nothing more I don't know on brand for me really I love I have become so addicted by the way to tracking my sleep I don't check Instagram or text messages or emails. Like I, I run a business. I have a lot of emails that come in. I wake up really early, but that's not the first thing I do. And the first thing I do isn't Wordle or my crossword or the new New York Times game connections, which drives me crazy. I do all of these things, by the way, before I get out of bed. But the first thing I do before any of that is I check my Aura app. This is not an ad. Unless Aura wants to pay me, that's great too. But I check my Aura app, O-U-R-A, in case you guys aren't familiar. It's the wearable ring. I actually knew the founders. I met them years ago. And the ring is not particularly attractive. I almost got the Gucci one, but I did not. It's just like it's it's lost its coloring. It was a gold sort of thing on your ring. You see everybody wearing them. I don't care about my activity trackers. It's nice. I care about steps, all of that. But I am addicted to my sleep score. I am addicted to knowing the data and it's good. Like I've put it to the test. Like I make sure if I wake up in the middle of the night to like get water or to pee or whatever, like I make sure to clock that in my brain. And then when I look at the app the next day or later that day, I, it, it shows like that little increment of time and I have become addicted and there is no way I could have easily done this when I lived in New York because it would have been self-loathing. I would have just killed myself with guilt because my sleep was never more than four hours. Like I would sleep four to five hours a night in New York just by pure staying out late, having to wake up early, doing it all over again, probably because it was before my heart surgery. So I also had a heart that didn't like to stay still very long. But now I'm like, oh my God, I have a 94 sleep score. It's not just like how long you slept. It's how quickly you fell asleep or how long it took you to fall asleep. That plays a part into its score. It's how long, how much deep sleep you got. So you could sleep seven hours, but if you got 48 minutes of deep sleep, like you're fucked, like might as well call it a day. You're going to need a nap. It doesn't matter. It's the quality of sleep, how much REM sleep, the interruptions in your sleep, the breathing interruptions, your heart rate, like all of this. I don't know why. And I've become addicted and it. I don't know if that information is power or what it does. Like I know normally if you have a bad night's sleep, like you just know, you don't need data to tell you, but there's something so incredibly satisfying or 
frustrating depending on how your sleep score is. Like I've become competitive with myself about my sleep. It's so weird. Is this what happens when you get old? But then again, I've talked to some of the youngs out there and like they're addicted to it too. Like it's a much healthier lifestyle. The 20 something year olds aren't staying out all night doing blow and drinking Red Bull and vodka and smoking cigarettes. Like I'm not saying I did, but perhaps I, my generation maybe did. We did a lot of that. We did. We did. I'm sorry. It was a different time. We didn't have fentanyl. But yeah, the kids these days drink their green juices. They, they track their sleep. So I don't know if this is an old person thing, but uh, if it is, then I'm all for it. I love my bed. I love my sleep. I'm now podcasting from bed. I mean, there's going to be a time where I'm going to be like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory's grandparents where I just like I live in my bed like I have a California king come on in guys like I could fit like 12 of you in here depending on how tall you are it would be like a little just you know eat pray love from my bed it's what I do Okay, so that rant is over. Um, Recording this early because I have a crazy week. I, oh my God, it's so exciting. So I am driving Miss Swisher. I feel like that's the new, the sequel to Driving Miss Daisy will be me driving Kara. When we do this, it usually, it usually turns into some sort of fight. She's very bossy. I don't know if if you listen to Kara Swisher's podcast, Pivot or On. If you don't know that she's bossy, then you're not really listening to the podcast. But um, we're driving down to the Code Conference which was started by both Kara and Walt Mossberg. Kara turned over the reins last year, so it's it's new leadership. It's in Laguna Beach. We're driving down. There'll be fights over how I'm driving. There'll be fights over the music that we're playing. Lara, her podcast producer for Pivot's going to be there too. She's going to try to take control of the music, but we might lose that battle. We generally lose that battle with Kara. We're going to fight about where to stop, when not to stop, having to pee, getting gas. Like, it's just going to be Godspeed. God, just send me thoughts and prayers now for that two-hour drive. I'm going too fast. I'm going too slow. You should have turned there. Like it, The whole thing. It's I'm starting to take my gummies now to just prepare to be zen. And then I'm in conference mode, Like, which is still, it's still hard for me. I'm still, all these years later, like a homebody as much as everybody knows I'm out all the time and socializing. And I, I used to do conferences like an opening of an envelope. And now I, I have to really get my sea legs back and prepare for small talk and remembering people's names. And if you're listening and I know you and I still look at your, and you're there at this conference and I still look down at your badge, I try to do it really subtly. Thank God for the conferences. It depends on the, the better conferences have really big name badges and they, they carry that you should always have the badge higher. I hate when, and I know code will do this. They're down like long where it's like, so you can't get away with sneaking a peek at the name tag. Cause you are literally looking at their navel, have the name tag up by like your clavicle. So I can see it in big letters, first name, big, last name doesn't have to be big, company name doesn't have to be big, but like Brooke in like 22 font. So I see it and that person doesn't catch it when I'm like, hi, David, hi, Marsha, hi, Jan. I don't, I'm not getting caught looking down at their navel. It's like I remembered their name. I have name blindness. I literally will like introduce my family members to people and I don't remember my family name as I'm in that moment. I just have name blindness, not face blindness. I will absolutely recognize you and remember the very first time we met, even if it was like 32 years ago. I just don't remember names. It is not personal. It is, I will, I have no scientific proof that this is part to do with my dyslexia, but we're just going to call it that. 
So that's going to exhaust me, just having to have small talk and remember people's names or try to remember their names for 48 hours or 36 hours, however long I'm going to be there. The, is it the C, is Linda Yaccarino the CEO of Twitter? Yeah, I guess she is, of, of X. She's going to be speaking at the Code Conference and... You know, we're all here for it. She's we're we're here for it. I am hoping that those interviewing her give her a tough sort of line of questioning. A part of me wishes that the audience are gonna be like really combative and booing, like we're at the WWE. Like I'm there for it. But if not, there will be like a boo or please or whatever. That's me. Just know that's me. That's me. I'm like in my old age and post-COVID, like I say what I think now. I don't try to, maybe, and some people listening to this are going to be like, Brooke, when did you, who know me, are going to be like, Brooke, when did you not say what you think? But I did have, at some point, some measurement into my reactions. Sometimes. If you hear people in the audience and you hear just one voice, one lone voice booing, that's me. But I, I suspect it's not just going to be me. But what do I know? I'm going for the drama. I hope there's drama. I want the drama. And then I circle back. If you haven't heard about the new venue in Las Vegas called Sphere, some people refer to it as The Sphere. I've been corrected multiple times to just call it Sphere. Like you don't say the MSG in terms of the Madison Square Garden. You call it MSG. You say the garden, but you say MSG. So sphere, the sphere, whatever. I put in the newsletter this week a link to the cover of the Sunday New York business, the New York Times business section this week, this weekend on an article about the sphere, sphere written by our friend Katie Rosman. And it's about Jim Dolan, the owner of it, the creator, the visionary behind it, if you will. That's what he wants. And Jim Dolan's a really interesting character. He owns MSG. He owns the Beacon. He owns, um, I mean, many venues in New York. He owns the Knicks. And does he own the Rangers? Yeah, I guess he owns the Rangers too. So he's also well known for having implemented facial recognition software into all of his venues, at least in New York and uh, Radio City. He owns that too and throwing people out that he does not like based on them being identified via, via the technology. Um, most famously recently, a woman who is escorting her kids and her kids class to a you know Christmas spectacular Rockette show last Christmas at uh, Radio City, and she happened to work for the law firm that was representing people suing Jim Dolan. And he had put all those people in the facial recognition program and <laughs> he spotted her and she was not allowed to enter. I mean, that is dark. I mean, it is scary shit, but I also sort of respect it. I mean, I don't think she should have been the one singled out, but I don't know. Like, we dream of that kind of revenge, right? Like, I dream, like, if I could ban my enemies from certain things and have them, like, escorted out, I, I sort of... I sort of subscribe to that. But Jim Dolan is a controversial character. He throws fans out of sports games that have signs or say things that he doesn't agree with. So, I mean, that's petty to another, to another level. Very thin-skinned. But thin-skinned in at least Katie's article, you get the sense that he's been a little resentful of the fact that he didn't do anything himself. He just inherited it. He's a Nepo baby who inherited this from his father who started HBO and I think Cablevision. I may be wrong, but basically that kind of guy. And he inherited all of this. And the Sphere, a.k.a. Sphere, this new crazy 
modern technology extravaganza in Las Vegas is his. And he built it because he had this surplus of money, a billion dollars or whatnot, and tried to figure out what to do with it. And he decided to build his own sort of magical palace, if you will, for music and a a next generation venue for live music and live events. And that's because it's sort of like, and I can't, I haven't, I have to see it to visually understand it, but it's basically like you can, it'll have sensory overload with like a gazillion TV screens. The whole thing is round. It feels like you're in this, I don't know, like almost anti-gravity experience. There's smells, there's sound, there's, there's movement. There's all these things that you can experience. It sounds incredible. I think there's some issues. I think it's a little, I think they've been delayed and it probably shouldn't be opening when it's it is from what I've understood. However, it is opening and it's opening on Friday and it's opening with, in terms of my favorite rock band of all time, U2. And U2 is doing a residency in the Sphere and they're the opening of Sphere and we're going. A lot of us are going. It's really rookie hour to go opening night if it's your friends, by the way. It's rookie. Like anybody who knows what I'm talking about knows like you don't do this, but the gravitational pull I have to of FOMO, not wanting to miss out. My friends are flying in from Ireland and Jamaica and London and all around the world. And, you know, as much as I don't like going to opening nights of things, I, um, I can't miss out on seeing my friends, but also you two in the sphere first night ever of the opening of this venue. Like it's going to be incredible. And I think there are only like 17,000 seats. This isn't like a stadium. So that will be remarkable. So I am going to be a mess. Come to you next week. I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know how I'm going to recover because just me in rock show mode, just FYI, after a conference and in Vegas, I mean, if I don't come back with like COVID and every other disease, I, you know, did I even do it? Cause I'm sure not to, not to make light of COVID, but I'm just, I feel like I'm going to get, I'm going to get what's coming to me. But in the meantime, here we are in my bedroom Talking about the story everyone's talking about. Now, remember, we're in the time machine. So there may be so many developments by Thursday, by the time this publishes, because I am doing this on a Monday. I mean, we are talking about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, the superstar tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. I talk about in my newsletter something that (laughs) I'm so embarrassed to say this. I really... And I say, like, a lot of you are going to think I'm a moron. And I, but I'm guessing there are some of you who didn't know this either, especially those who don't live in America. But Kansas City is not Kansas. I just want everyone to understand that. And I know that a lot of you know that, but also I don't watch football. And I generally am not in the Midwest. I am a flyover girl. I am, you know, New York, LA, Miami. That's sort of like my spots. But yeah, Kansas City is in Missouri not Kansas. There is a Kansas City, Kansas, and it's apparently a small little town. But Kansas City, Missouri is the bigger city in Missouri with 508,000 people, which is adorable, as I say. I mean, still a very small city. That's like Greenwich Village. Kansas City, which already had sort of, you know, a lot of pop culture stuff due to its quarterback and its quarterback's brother and its quarterback's wife and all of this, but all attention now on the Kelsey's. And I say Kelsey's, we've talked about this before. It's the Kelsey brothers. The other brother, 
He plays for the Philadelphia Eagles, and the brothers competed against each other in the Super Bowl. It was a big hot topic here at PCM and and PCM OT. Uh, we love them. They are darling. I honestly love them. I wish that I grew up with them. I wish they were my brothers. I feel like I would have had the confidence of a fucking the biggest confidence ever. Those guys, they're funny, they're endearing, they're delightful. And I didn't want to know where they stood politically. I, I don't want to know because that would sort of ruin it. We're in that divided world right now. However, Travis is now dating Taylor Swift. Confirmed on Sunday, the world stopped. And I literally mean that. Like the WGA strike ended crickets compared to what we heard yesterday, on which was Sunday, on the heels of Taylor appearing in the box next to Travis's mom, rooting for, apparently, her son, Taylor's new man. And there had been rumors for a while, and Travis had been sort of flirting with this idea. He and his brother have a successful podcast. They talked about how he went to a Taylor Swift concert. Travis went to a Taylor Swift concert in July in Kansas City. His brother was goading him about it. He said he was explaining to his brother about friendship bracelets and how he had was really disappointed because he really wanted to talk to Taylor, but apparently Taylor doesn't do like meet and greets before or after because she's saving her voice. But he had claimed to have made a friendship bracelet with his phone number on it. So that's sort of things started getting out there. Now, who's to say they could have been dating this whole time and we didn't know it and this is all sort of, you know, theater, which also wouldn't surprise me knowing how clever Taylor is. But it may have also just been really adorable, cute, like he put it out there and she was like, that's interesting. But let's just say this. Taylor Swift took over the NFL. The NFL, I'm not saying everybody in the NFL is Trumpy, but you just get that sort of feeling like Trump was like, there's a lot of people, especially in the Midwest, the red states are in that area. And you have a lot of people that you think that might be more like certainly the, as we call them, the liberal cities, right? New York and LA is different than the Midwest cities and places. And, and I'm certainly not, you know, generalizing at all, but you do get that sort of vibe. And the, the thesis I make in the newsletter this week is that this entire coupling is like literally Donald Trump's worst nightmare. This could be the end of Donald Trump. And I say this because Taylor, unlike some of her peers, has made political statements. She has come out swinging against Donald Trump and she did it very uh, you saw in her documentary, it was very calculated. It was very thoughtful. She wasn't doing it on a whim. She understood the impact it could have on some of her fans that might not agree with her, but she just couldn't stay silent. And earlier this week, she put up an Instagram story, which lasts 24 hours, urging her fans who have not registered to vote to register to vote. And she got within a few hours, 35,000 new registered voters. I mean, that is power. That's incredible. 35,000 new people who have not yet registered to vote. So that's pretty powerful. We know where she stands politically. And she shows up at Kansas City, the heart of America, heartland. And the NFL, the social media team that is literally deserves all the awards, turned the NFL's TikTok page into an entire thing on Taylor Swift. Like every TikTok was Taylor Swift. So much so they changed the bio to 82423 Taylor was here. <laughs> I mean, it was a show of support and solidarity you have never seen. The power this woman wields. Wields? Yields. Yields? Wields. Which one? 
wields. I don't know. Both. She 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 has a lot of power. Is incredible. And and Travis obviously is one of the most popular um NFL players right now and he and his brother play off of each other incredibly well. They're really really great to listen to. And Travis himself is not um being quiet here. He, you know, you could say cynically he did it for the money, but I think he's savvy and his family savvy. He's doing an ad campaign right now for Pfizer advertising, you know, to go get the vaccine and the flu shot. You go get two is better than one. Go get the flu shot and the vaccine. So you imagine there are a lot of anti-vaxxers in the NFL world itself, Aaron Rodgers in particular and other players and a lot of fans. So it's it's really going out there and taking a bite out of this sort of maybe Taylor Swift playbook and saying he's following his belief system rather than just following the dollars. Who knows? I'm just projecting. But it's pretty astounding to see this pairing and the power it had on people, the chokehold it had on social media, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. My phone was blowing up. Normals, people who are like, what is happening? This is crazy. I am getting blown up by this news. And, you know, Taylor Swift's romantic Life is always something people are paying attention to, especially because she's brought it into the forefront with her music and her songs and a lot of songs about men in her life and men that we've known, whether they're celebrities or just people that she's been with that we can sort of dissect the songs and connect the dots on. So to that side, thoughts and prayers to Travis that you don't do anything stupid because when the Swifty army goes after you, like thoughts and prayers, so you cannot hurt her. If you hurt her, it's over. It's happened. Look at some of these other people who've hurt her. Their careers have gone nowhere. So, or at least not to the superstardom that they were originally on. But I will say this is like the power of a Travis Kelsey and a Taylor Swift with their fan bases, with with the impact they could have together. It could disrupt an election. No question in my mind it could disrupt an election. It could change minds. That's the thing. Not only getting new people out there voting, it could change minds of those people who might be voting a different way or have thought about voting a different way to, you know, this is not a political podcast. I, I have a lot of happy Republican friends. I don't have a lot of friends who are Trumpers. There's difference, you know, be a Republican, don't be a Trumper. So it's going to be interesting. I am all, I'm here for it. I find it fascinating. There is going to be Taylor in the newsletter, no matter what, before this whole thing blew up on Sunday night, because Taylor was sort of stopped the world again earlier by being out and about on the town in New York, going to via Carota and other amazing spots with Sophie Turner, who is the now ex ex of Joe Jonas. Why that's interesting. We're not a gossip site here. We're not a celebrity site, but this stuff is the, the Taylor Swift chokehold that this nation has on it is astounding to me. So Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas, we've talked about because their their split was really fascinating to me from a communications perspective, how all the PR was trying to paint this picture of Sophie as a party girl and not a good mom. And the Gen Z people saw right through that as bad PR mojo from Joe and weren't having any of it and came in total support of Sophie Turner. And... Taylor had dated Joe Jonas and it looked like they were all sort of like friends at one point, but now like stake in the ground, the stories came out that first the stories came out that Sophie and Taylor were spotted together. There are all these TikToks with them walking into Via Carota and they're arm in arm and, and this guy's TikTok 
says it all. I cannot understate the cultural importance of this picture of Sophie Turner and Taylor Swift. It is Spice Girls era girl power. It's white feminism using its powers for good. Delicious use of denim. It's a stab in the abdomen of the patriarchy. It's them kids. It's even a broken clock is right twice a day. But most importantly, it's the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And that's straight men in this economy. So it is this cultural moment. It was iconic on so many levels. And then... Then after they appeared publicly and sort of, you know, girl besties out and about in New York, all of a sudden the stories came out and Sophie Turner had petitioned to have her children be able to leave and live in London, in England, which is where she claimed that was always going to be the agreed upon place. And it just, the divorce got ugly overnight. And so everybody imagines what the two of them were sort of plotting and what that impact was. And it's amazing. I, I got to give this woman credit, my Lord. And I really hope for her that, you know, she can have a really great romance because being that famous and in that public you know, she has to escape rooms. Like they're saying that she left the suite in the, in the stadium yesterday that likely in this sort of popcorn carrier, because she's known for entering into her concerts in the cleaning box that are the cleaning supplies. And she's sort of retrofitted in there so they can whisk her in. And now they're saying the only way out for her was this, this woman came with this big popcorn machine and there was like a whole sort of cabinet thing underneath it and that likely she was sort of snuck in there because she was being bombarded once the fans knew she was in that suite the game became less important to a lot of them and they were standing outside hoping to get a glimpse of her so this woman doesn't have any privacy I really hope I really hope that she gets it and I hope that they can have this really beautiful relationship it seems darling there's so many things about it that seem darling and I Love the Kelsey brothers. I hope that never changes. I hope they don't let me down. I hope they don't disappoint me. Generally, when we put people up on these these sort of high horses, they fall, you know, Icarus. But for now, let me enjoy the joy of the Kelsey brothers. Let me enjoy this sort of story that's unfolded in front of our eyes via all of these different moments, whether he's singing Swifty songs on TikToks or talking about her with his brother on their pod to them being arm in arm walking out of the stadium last night. So, you know, we are in it. It's what America needed. We needed a little good news. We needed to divert our attentions from something that it was negative and we can all collectively be joyful about for a moment. So let's, let's long live that. And if we have a chance against Donald Trump, it's because of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, I'm convinced. So that's it. There's so many other things that, that probably went down. I mean, the other viral moment, which was for the olds was David Brooks, the conservative political columnist from the New York times. He, he tweeted a stupid photo. He was at Newark airport having a cheeseburger and fries, which looked really great. They're like those crinkle fries. I'm very specific about fries. I'm very, very specific about fries. And you know, the, it's just, it's, you can tell just right off the bat, what's going to be a good fry. These look like great fries, like great airport fries. And he posted a picture of his cheeseburger fries with like squeezable ketchup and a, and a cocktail. And he's like, this 
cost me $78 at Newark Airport. No wonder Americans think our economy is shit or whatever. Except the guy was so drunk, clearly. He mis- misjudged the internet and he had like a double scotch top shelf in that drink. And so the restaurant came out, it went viral. The restaurant came out swinging and said that $60 of that was the alcohol and $18 was the food. And then they started offering a promotion, the D Brooks special and it's hilarious. And then everybody started tweeting or putting out on socials. There is a meme, like all of their, like, you know, this cost me $78. Like George Hahn, our friend who's been on this podcast had a picture of like cigarettes and pills. And it was like, this cost me $78 It's hilarious. He regretted it. he, he said he shouldn't probably be tweeting at all, but this is not his first rodeo. He had another sort of viral sensation happen in 2017 where he, I think, wrote in an article, he wrote in one of his columns how he took his high school educated friend to a deli with fancy named sandwiches and his realized in horror that his friend didn't know what any of these means, any of those fancy sandwiches meant or fancy deli meats. And because he only had a high school education. And so he suggested to the friend, like, should we go someplace else? At which point the friend said, yes, please, let's go to Mexican. I mean, it was just the most elitist thing you've ever, ever seen. Um, And he got thrown over the coals back in 2017. I included some of the funny ones in the newsletter if you want to go back and check it out. But that's it. I got to go get mentally prepared for all of the social interactions that I have this week. I have to get really prepared for the fact that I don't have, I'm not really drinking these days. And that would have been a crutch for me. Not that I not drinking, but I'm not going to use alcohol as a comforting tool like I have in the past. So I'm going to totally try to do this without the cocktail thing, giving me liquid courage to do all my small talk and interacting with lots of people. And when somebody who I know knows me and is introduced to me again, who I've met thousand times, and she says to me, hi, I'm sounds, how do I say this? It rhymes with Meryl Manberg. Does that make sense? When I get that connection again and she's like, hi, nice to meet you, I won't say we've met a thousand times. I will bite my tongue hard. I will. Or for anybody for that matter. I I take those things personally, but I'm going to try to let it just roll off of me and be really zen. And I'm going to do it with not liquid, but hopefully the help of some uh, some peacetime gummies from Camino. That's what I'm going to do. That's going to be my courage. Um, okay. I'm going to do my Mary make out and mute. I mean, I'm going to make out with the Kelsey brothers. I'm sorry. Not like, not, not to take away from Taylor or anybody. I just, I love them so much. And that's weird. Cause I want them to be my brothers. It's not like really make out. Like we can just sit around and play video games, like hang out. I'll just turn this week's make out to a hangout. And I just want to hang out with the Kelsey brothers. Like they're my brothers. I'm older than them. Travis, by the way, interestingly enough, was born in 1989. So like figure that out, Swifties. Wild. But I love them. And I would marry Taylor Swift in a heartbeat. I love her. I think we would just, I I could see us just like watching Law and Order SVU at night in our pajamas with cats and dogs. And I just, I'd marry her. I love her. And I am going to mute. Oh, there's so much. There's so much. I'm going to mute all of the people I'm going to meet who aren't going to remember meeting me, the people I'm going to be reconnected with and be like, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm going to mute them. I'm just going to let them go. I'm not going to say we've met a thousand times. I'm going to be really zen. I'm just going to t- 
tune it out. I'm going to let that trigger effect go and just be nice to see you. Really lovely. Great. Ha ha ha. I might be dead in the eyes when I say it, but at least I'll be, I'll be chill. That's it. That's what you got. Next week, I can't wait to talk to you guys, and I will fill you in on all of the festivities. Until then, have a magical, magical Thursday and weekend. Pop culture.